Hey, Nick. Omen. So, we have some news. This is groundbreaking. I alluded to this on the Instagram last week as of recording. We are starting a Patreon. What? Or, or more accurately, we have started a Patreon. Nick, that is super exciting. You know, that's something that we talked about in in ages past, and we were like, oh, well, it doesn't really make sense. And now it does. I think it does make sense, yeah. It is patreon.com forward slash talk tall to me, as you would expect. Easy to remember, yeah. We currently have two membership levels. And Nick, I have looked at some Patreons that are out there. And I want to just observe that our Patreon is by far one of the least expensive Patreons that exist. Just you wait, Omen. <laughs> so we currently have two levels. We have for $1 a month, you can give us some love and gain access to patron-only posts and messages and the occasional poll that we might do. That's right. And we are opening a suggestion box that you will be able to communicate with us in terms of providing suggestions to further tiers, further benefits for for Patreons, things along those lines. Other feckless content that you might want to see and more probably here. More accurately here. Who knows? We could do a video component if we get enough subscribers. Who knows? And then on top of that, if you want to do five bucks a month, you get all of that plus access to Outtake Tull to Me and Talk Tull with Me. You may be asking yourself, you may be screaming into the darkness, <laughs> why? Because we are ostensibly doing three podcasts now yeah. instead of the one. So we thought we've got enough fans We've put in enough time that we have enough content now that we can offer that as bonus content, as paid bonus content. That's right. And you know, Nick, the fact that it's three different discrete segments makes it more work for for me, but in a more realistic and more accurate way, more work for you because you are <laughs> yes. the one who does all of the editing and hosting and releasing of this content. Yes, it is more work for me. And five bucks a month is a drop in the bucket to pay for the the hosting and the time that it takes. So I would just like to see if we can get some love and some appreciation. It'll also give us the flexibility that if we hit certain financial goals, and we can talk about more of this in the suggestion box option. That's right. But if we hit more a certain goal, we might be able to release some fun Factless Moms swag. Oh my goodness. And how much more satisfying would it be to listen to Talk Tall to me while wearing a Talk Tull to Me codpiece. Just the codpiece. Nothing else. So that's the big news. Thank you for your future support. Thank you for your continued support. And one thing that I want to make clear that won't ever change, Nick, is that the the core podcast that we started with, Talk Tall to Me, will and forever be a free content nugget. That is absolutely true. Access to Outtake Tull to Me and Talk Tull with Me will start in Patreon starting in April. I just want to mention a very quick and grateful shout out to the artist, also a fan listener. Thank you, Nick in Alaska. Wait a minute, Nick, is this a different Nick to the the one that you are? This is in fact a different Nick. He spells his name N-I-C-K. The, oh. tra- the traditional Nick. He is Maroonbeard, who left us a review. He is also Creepworks. What? Which, yep, you can find a couple of links to Creepworks in the info on the Patreon page. But he has amazingly and graciously agreed to let us use his skeleton Ian Anderson playing the flute that he has, he has drawn up. Which, if you haven't seen, you probably have by now. But also, if you yeah. haven't checked out his work, go check it out. He's an incredible artist, very cool aesthetic, Yeah, and buy $1 million worth of his merchandise. Please. So that's that's it. That's Patreon. Thank you. This was not as smooth of a of a reveal as I would have liked it to be, but but yeah, we, we started a Patreon. Thank you so much for joining us, and we love you, our sweet, sweet listeners. Gassers and dragsters, adjust the mix from your nitro tank. 
build up the pressure in your turbocharger and leave a smoking streak of rubber on the quarter mile. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we are the finely oiled machine that is Feckless Momes. And this is this is the line that you drive over so that you win. <laughs> Talk tall to me. <laughs> An unregulated weekend of drag racing in the dry riverbed of Prague Rock, in which Nick and I, all hyped up with nowhere particular to go, do burnouts in the Anderson Mobile. Leather jacket collars popped, hair greased back. We will road test each and every song ever released by seminal rock band Jethro Tull. We will marvel at the luxurious vinyl seats, stare at our own reflections in the polished chrome, and take a long and lustful look under the bonnet. Nick will stir the gearbox of musical analysis while Omen presses the clutch of metaphor and the gas of poetry. Will we blow a musical piston? Will our conjecture coolant overheat? Can we break before we hit the deadly cliff of the synth period? Let's find out in... I'm all done. Oh, is that, is that it? Find out in what? Talk tell to me. Oh, t- in this oh, episode talk. <laughs> of Talk Tell to Me. Goodness me. Oh, man, that was analogous and metaphorical and and just, just overall up to snuff. You've, you've got to give me a standards. word limit. Uh, I, otherwise. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah, it's 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 like you're a reporter. You need you need structure. Otherwise, you just go all over the place. <laughs> it's a it's a faucet. Once you turn it on, it just it just goes. Yeah. Broke the handle off and it's That's right. game over. Yeah. So, Nick, do we have any housekeeping before we get into our episode today? We have nothing because we just did a great big correspondence episode, which you will have listened to weeks before this. That's right. In in terms of the timeline. I'm still here, though. Oh, Mary. I'm really? sitting in the corner. Okay. Well... As as long as Omen refills your fish head bucket, you're fine, right? <laughs> I like to suck the eyes out. <laughs> I know. It's a special treat. I get it. I get Jeez. it. It's really, really unnerving just the slurping sounds coming from the oh, corner. Oh, gosh. We don't have any correspondence. We don't have any housekeeping. But we have yet to talk overall about the art on this album. We've talked bits and pieces. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we've been referencing it, yeah, as as we've gone along, but we haven't taken the over the bird's eye view. So, let's finally listen to a discussion with our art correspondent Jesse Winter for Dogs in Midwinter. Sleeping with the Dogs in Midwinter. I don't remember what we call it. Sleeping in the Dogs with Midwinter. No, Sleeping yeah. in Mid- Sleeping with the Dogs in Midwinter. There it is. Hello, tall aficionados. This is Jesse Winter. I'm zooming in from Long Island City, New York. It's a cold Sunday morning. Looking at the cover for Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die, released in 1976 in May in the U.S., and I was... uh, 12 months old, just about to turn one at the time. The illustration and the art direction for this cover art is kind of loosely inspired from, from what it looks like by the, uh, the underground comics from the 60s and 70s. And they, they uh, employed a, an artist named David Gibbons, who was a British underground comic artist at that time to render the vision of Ian Anderson as some alter ego washed up rock artist by the name of Ray Lomas. But to talk about a little bit the the inspiration from artists like R. Crumb, Spain Rodriguez, who were popular at the time, 
we're doing cover art for Janis Joplin and The Who, Quadrophenia. So they were, were jumping on this bandwagon. This was already a somewhat established. This is already happening. Yeah, the Big Brother and the Holding Company, I think, was another one. There's a couple famous album covers. And so they were probably inspired and had some reference from that and took their own turn at this. You know, for the underground comics, they were they were mostly bought in like adult magazine and bookshops. And this is, of course, we have to remember in the 1970s and the 60s, there was no internet. People were consuming comic books of all types of subject matter. And, and in many cases, you know, deviating into more risque sort of uh, ideas and subjects. For Ian Anderson, from self-consciousness of, of, of his career at that time, even though he was very young, he already had the commercial success and now was entering the phase of like, his music was not necessarily the freshest, most popular, you know, it, was, it wasn't the fad and that the fads, uh, the fads come and go, but fads always come back. So it's a yellow cover with sort of a purplish blue rather than a black, almost uh, dark tone to the, to the line work and the shadows and stuff. So because the, the reference to the underground comics that you're saying is that is that why we see him ogling the woman's breasts and picking up super young girls is that is that kind of inspired by that or or an homage to that because it's it's meant to be on the the darker kind of skeevier side yeah i mean i think i mean clearly this is an adult inspired comic adult situations adult types of interactions so you said what this art is kind of inspired by, like R. Crumb and, and the, those other artists. Who did this? Who's the artist for this? I don't think we, we covered that yet. So the artist for this is David Gibbons. Okay. He was a British artist, and he was young at that time, and he was doing underground comics. And the uh, his his earliest published work, not, not long before he did this commission, was called The Trials of Nasty Tales. And continuing in Cosmic Comics, produced by uh, a publisher named Felix Dennis. This is not, it's for, for those who, who love old underground comics, there's a, there's a whole world of uh, culture and community around this. And uh, of course he went on, this artist went on to, to start to work in uh, DC Comics and did The Watchmen and had a very prolific career and is still alive today. I think it says that he's 71 years old. He's still working. It runs up to 2018. He was appointed the UK's first comics laureate to act as an ambassador for comic books and their potential to improve literacy. What a sweeping path he has taken from from dirty underground comics to uh, the, the very first comics laureate. Absolutely. And it's, uh, he's doing good service with this, uh, his life at this point and uh, using comics to further promote and improve literacy for people. Well, I talked to a friend of mine who's an illustrator who knows a lot of the, a lot of the references that, that, that I, that would help me kind of understand where this was coming from. And it was, this was a very like, this is not an original, necessarily. I mean, for the album on its own in the Jethro Tull catalog, it was original. But in the larger body of works that were being made, you know, comics were in, in people's life at that time. So, so what what I could basically understand was that there was just there was a style to the comic work that you know they kind of, I guess it it mirrored it kind of reflected a bit of the R. Crumb style. In Spain, Rodriguez, R. Crumb had done a Janis Jop Joplin cover that was very uh, popular at that time. But I think for there, the idea that they were working with this rock opera and this character and this story, when they came to the, to the decision of like, well, are we going to photograph this? Are we going to... Uh, use an illustration? Are we going to, they must have had, you know, there must have been a creative meeting where it was like, well, why don't we just do a comic book and a strip 
comic strip out of this and uh, make it a an adult cartoon comic book. The Janis Joplin cover is the Cheap Thrills, Big Brother and the Holding Company. That's a well-known cover. It's definitely not an album that you just kind of like, you just kind of look at as its own like little art piece. It's actually a whole information, little storybook piece that that lives on its own, much like they would do. I mean, the, the album cover and the album art could be taken to this next level. And uh, Tall is pretty, pretty well known for doing that. And in some cases, probably spending more time on the album cover than maybe even making the music. As we know from Thick as a Brick, but it's a mixed multimedia piece. It really is. And for them, the solution for furthering whatever they're expressing here had to be in some sort of drawing comic strip format with a, with a, with a story and, and a pseudo alter ego character, of course. Thinly veiled like much of, of Ian's work is. Yes. Yeah, it's all about him, and yet it's not. Right. So. Like, how dare you? How dare you assume it was me? <laughs> I was. <laughs> was it looking in the mirror? I mean, I could only imagine the fear of the young rocker seeing uh, punk music coming up and seeing the changes in music that were happening so fast, and wondering if people were going to keep coming to their shows. Like, what's gonna? What's gonna? How do they? How do they keep up with the trends and the times if there's just so much new stuff and fads going around? So, And as we see from the next album, they, they didn't jump on that train at all. They went their completely different way. I think he decided it was time to just stay, stay true himself and, and, and go with his trajectory. I would also think that it, it, from a sales point of view, if I was to be walking down the, the record store aisle and caught my eye on this cover, I would definitely be drawn into this. Like, what is this? It's not abstract on any level. The name is there, the brand is there. I'm getting a little sense of the vibe, the kind of funky, a little more rocky kind of vibe of this uh, music. And if you, if you don't know the story, if you're seeing this album for the very first time, you look at this, this cover, this rock star punching out of the album and say, Oh, oh! This this is Ian Anderson. You don't say, "Oh, this is Ray Lamas," until you pick no. it up and and open, open up and look on the inside. So, I mean, it's there's there's clearly reasoning behind it. Yeah, and there's layering, and there's like a little bit of you know curiosity gets kind of peaked up. Of course, this Ray Lomas character on the front is suggestingly giving the bird to whoever. Uh, whoever this audience is, even though there's no middle finger up, it's that the, the rebel go it alone sort of type. Buy this or don't, I don't care. <laughs> you, can, you can F off. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Yeah. And that's also very, in, in celebration of the punk sort of attitude of punk music and the punk etiquette, you know, there is that, that rejection of commercial popular appeal of everything and i've even listened to uh, an interview with ian anderson where he talks about that the that the spirit of punk behind the spirit of punk in in what they were doing because of that what they were doing was on its own for its own without any commercial value there are some really profound insights into, into into the way that that i saw him kind of talking about jethro tull as really being a punk band it happened to have big concerts with lots of people, but they were always kind of rejecting the norm and trying to go against whatever the mainstream was. And they, and they did that, and yet they were able to do that and cross over. No, so amazing as Omen, you have alluded to over the the past weeks, the the art was tied into the songs, and that's great. That's awesome. But it's also great to see it as a whole piece and understand the process behind it as well. Yeah, and you know, it does it does make me nostalgic for the days of that I never experienced, where when you bought a piece of music artwork, you know, an album, you would get mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. actual artwork, yeah, physical physical assets that would go with it. 
physical media. Yeah, I was I was going to say buying music came with was more than just buying the music at that point. You know, there was there was more to it. There was more that the music producer could add. I have such a visceral memory of finding an album. I I'm sure everyone who hears this will will get so mad at me for misremembering it, but I think it's maybe a Rolling Stones album and the front of it is a close-up shot of the crotch, the gene, the begined crotch of one of the band members. And there's an actual zipper built in to the album cover that you can unzip the jeans on. And were you ever brave enough to unzip the jeans? Yes, immediately. Are you kidding? What was under there? I don't think there was anything. It was just you could unzip it. You could have the experience of unzipping the jeans of... Sexy band member X. It was Rolling Stones. It was the album Sticky Fingers. And it was, in fact, Mick Jagger's. Mick Jagger's crotch. pants. I have unzipped them. Amazing. Yes. And my, my fingers were sticky. Yeah. And it was designed by Andy Warhol. Oh, Andy Warhol. What a lovely creature. What a, that's that is a, a perfect yeah. description of Andy Warhol. <laughs> we, we did. He was too good for this world. He was. He was. He was. He was Bowie levels of strange and wonderful and perfect. So, with the art out of the way, finally, can we talk about the music of the song that we are listening to this week, which is Nick? Oh my gosh. It is the last song off of the album proper. It is track 10 The Checkered Flag, Dead or Alive. Let's get hydrated and have a listen. Omen, you asked me before we started recording Mm. if I had listened to this song on my really good headphones. Yes, and and I and I said said no. I was I was looking forward to it. So so having done that, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Holy hell! Yeah, I think I'm gonna make a requirement for our our listeners at this point. You you're you're clearly dedicated to Tall. You're clearly dedicated to this this podcast and we appreciate that you need to take the next step and get some some really good headphones and just sit down and listen to these songs close your eyes and just listen to the song for what it is get in your isolation bath remove all physical sensations from your body this song like the last couple songs we've been blown away musically now it's worth remembering, Nick, that in the old days, you know, the equivalent to a good pair of headphones was a, a good hi-fi stereo yes, system. Yes, right. Where, that would actually, like, literally bathe you in the sounds of yeah. the music. And I, you know, that's something that our generation doesn't have as often as I think. No. You know, it's not as it's not as highly valued, I think, as, as it was uh, in previous generations. And I wish that I could... I wish I had access to one of those systems for this song yeah. specifically because I think it would I think it would cure any disease that could make its way into my body. <laughs> yeah, sound sound waves, yeah. This song I would put it on Ray and I have a playlist on Spotify. It's called they're called Zone Out songs. They're songs that if you get good enough like cup headphones and you just close your eyes and let you could get swept away in the music. Yeah. This is definitely a zone out song. Like it is Woof. I've listened to this song maybe four times in the last 24 hours, and each time I have physically gotten goosebumps and chills yeah. all over my body. I, all over I, my body, all, Nick. Everywhere. Pick a spot. Every goosebumps were there. <laughs> it's intense. It's it, This song is really incredible. Yeah. We're talking just musically right now, but lyrically, I'm not as disappointed as I have been the last couple of songs. Musically... 
let's break it down musically. This song starts out in with a sound that I don't usually associate with Tull, which is which is the organ mm-hmm. coming forward right yeah. at the top. Yeah, it's it's like a a weird synth setting. I think it's yeah, I mean it's I think it's pre-actual synth, but it's it's on that kind of soulful organ mm-hmm. and I think there's a little bit of blending with the bass and the guitar and the strings right off the bat. It's just it's this incredibly well-blended cocktail of of instruments that after that first sip you are you are just tune drunk yeah the electric guitar coming through on on some sort of filter pedal something very quickly you said those those strings roll in and behind those strings you definitely can hear the cello this this low yeah. low rumble feel oh my gosh it's it's got a very bowie sound to me an early bowie sound i think mm, yeah but gosh darn it musically this song and then it just it continues at this kind of begrudging and trudging pace to to get through and it's it's a hell of a send-off for a musical. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing to note early on here, I believe that some of the chords they're using are, and people more musically savvy can correct us later, suspended chords. Mm. So they are chords which are constructed of notes where they don't resolve within themselves. So they're chords that create a lot of tension just within themselves and that's what creates that feeling of like you know the feeling that when you listen to this song and it feels like your heart's being torn out <laughs> for many reasons yes but that yeah that's one of the things that it's coming from is that those those chords that have notes that are purposefully unresolved within themselves yeah so then Ian starts singing once we get into the verse proper, we have John Evan doing these pretty incredible arpeggios all the way throughout. Mm, okay. You know, where he's just kind of running up and down these scales within the chords behind Ian's voice. Yeah. Creating this kind of, you know, this this uh, a feeling that I would say is like wind blown. You know, you're like you're standing on the cliff overlooking mm-hmm. the sea and the wind is just whipping around you and, just, and you're just like... Existence! Yes, screaming ah! into the depths. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Screaming into the pink void. The, the, what? Oh, that's... That's <laughs> not... Uh, sound, sound, sounds a, lo- a lot better than I expected, actually. <laughs> never, never heard it called that before. <laughs> what else can we say musically, Nick? It all comes in relatively early. There, Not much... Yeah is added in in steps like we're kind of accustomed to with Tull in at least in the last couple of pieces it's almost a bit backwards in that respect they kind of fall off as they go is that what you're saying in that it starts all together and then a little bit later on we start to hear things pulled out more individually okay okay yeah yeah that's true it's it's a it's kind of a, a new take and it fits very well i i think the whole taken as the ending of this full piece you do want everything all together because it is the culmination of everything. Yeah, in terms of the album. We've heard all of these instruments. We've heard all of these songs. It's everything together. So if we've heard X number of songs that start piece by piece by piece by piece, I think it it really adds to the the denouement, the ending feeling of, of everybody just go. It signals your brain, it signals your ears that this is now something different. Yes. Yeah. Keeping on kind of the construction musically of it, I I think it's really worth dissecting these verses. Because the, the chorus is kind of built into the verse structurally here. Yeah, yeah. And musically, we start out with this very, like, almost surrendered feeling, this do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And then halfway through, there's... A chord change and it drops down to the 
other thing. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm talking about? The hard road The wine And then it builds up to that. So isn't it grand to be? And it it goes to this progression of like of feeling increasingly defiant almost. You know, it sets it sets the scene in this very, you know, suspended musical field. And then the the end of it rises up out of that to this more more standard chords. Mm-hmm. That f- that feel like a like a, a defiance to all this, and then it falls back down into the into the beginning for the next verse. Yeah, that was spectacularly poorly explained on my part. It's got this cyclical feel to it, despite mm. the fact that it's the the end of something. That it's the the end, and and if it's weird, it's like it's cyclical, but it also feels final. Well, if we start to tiptoe into some of the central imagery of this. Yeah, let's do that. If we talk about the checkered flag, that is the image is clearly being pulled from the imagery of racing. Yeah. Track racing, in which you race around a track and you end where you began. Right. So it it is that there's that cyclical right there. Absolutely. And the checkered flag is waved when the first... When the winner crosses the right. finish line, which is also the yeah. start line. When the, fir- the first, when the race is officially done, when the first car crosses that finish line, yeah, yeah, when the first place is taken, exactly. So, so in that sense, I think it, I think you're spot on, you know, and I think that there is some intentionality built into that cyclical nature of it. Yeah, but there's, there's also, there's, there's also definitely a bittersweet feeling to the whole thing. As we get particularly further on into that third verse, but the whole thing is is like it's slightly mournful. It is. I mean, I have never been a race car driver. I, I can attest to that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I have watched some videos of race car drivers. I have watched a lot of the uh, Trofeo Abart. <sighs> yes, you have. Which is which is where they. They race souped-up Fiat Abarts in Italy, which mm-hmm. is really, really great fun. And, you know, there is this incredible tension that's built up as you as the cars go around the track. And there's a certain amount of release that happens when you when the race is over, when the cars start to cross. Mm-hmm. And I always feel it's it's always like Oh, you know, you, you build up the tension, you build up the tension, who's going to win? And then you win. And it's like it's like when you listen to a, a, a horse race announcer, you know, the energy just fades out of their vo- their voice so yeah. fast. And it's like, oh, I kind of want to be back in that excitement. Sure. You do it for the adrenaline, even if you're just watching and you're really into it. You're doing it for adrenaline. It's as much the the experience, the journey, as it is the destination. Absolutely. You don't watch a race to see... To see a car cross a line. Marco Marco Frenicelli blast champagne out of out of a bottle on the trophy stand. You watch to see yeah. the race, and so as soon as it's done, you're like, "Well, what's the next yeah. race? What's the next thing?" Yeah, and and the finality, particularly here, in the context of the musical, in the context of Ray, is that there there may not be another race here. Mm. So yeah, so why don't we jump into the lyrics then? Yeah, it's the the lyrics it, it feels very much like your friend and mine Alanis Morissette's ironic. Yes, I I've been meaning to write to her. How is she? Uh, she seems pretty good. I mean, she's 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 covid okay, which is is Hey, that's right, the most yeah. important thing these days. Yeah. It's a, it's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. It's the good advice that you just didn't take. And who would have thought it figures? It's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. It's the good advice that you just didn't take. And who would have thought it figures? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That is more poignant a little further on, but we'll get there. <laughs> right. I think, you know, the, the main thing that we're dealing with in terms of the checkered flag is that it is the race that we're talking about is the race of life. Yes. You know, the checkered flag is the end of is the end of life in a way. Yeah. Which which we saw the potential end two songs ago. Right. But this this is more this. You survived that that car crash for what? To live a couple of more years. This is your victory lap. Right. Exactly. But and the sense of it is totally different because in that context, he crashed in the race. In this one, he's finishing Mm. the race somehow, Mm. whatever the difference of those things mean. And I think it's really in in the context of a person's life. It's a mindset. It's like, are you in control or are you out of control? Are you out of control and just crashing because you messed up or are you in control and this was your goal and and here you are and you can take a moment to really savor the moment? Yeah. Because the checkered flag, literally when you're watching a race, it's you drive past it, it's you barely even see it. It's checkered so you can see it more clearly. Mm. And and it's a split second and it's gone. So I mean, focusing on the image of the checkered flag itself is really I for me, I think, zoning in and and appreciating that moment in time. That that one moment that is gone in an instant. Exactly. Yeah. Why don't we get into some of the specifics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The disc breaks drag. The checkered flag sweeps across the oil slick track. The young man's home dries a bone. His helmet off, he waves. The crowd waves back. One lap victory roll. Gladiator soul. Gla- so Gladiator soul. That's oh, one I'm of sorry. my favorite things that he does really in any tall song. It just it tickles me so much, that little bit. One lap victory roll, a gladiator sound. Also, probably the inspiration for the song that came out recently, Body Yadi 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 Yadi. That's what I would have thought, yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, the victory lap is like once more around the track just for fun. Just to appreciate it, just to to linger in that moment. I'm the winner, yeah. It's so everyone can can acknowledge you, and 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 it's basically it's an ovation, you oh, know. Yeah, it's it's a curtain exactly. call. Oh, that's a great way of thinking of it. Yeah. And the taker of the day in winning has to say, "Isn't it grand to be playing to the stand, dead or alive?" The taker of the day in winning has to say. Now, Nick, I must confess that until I looked at these lyrics, when I listened to this as a youth, I always thought it was, isn't it grand to be playing in the sand? Yes, I did too. I 100% did too. Yeah. Which gladiator, gladiators were in the sand. Indeed, the word arena means sand. Oh, does it? Yeah. Sand in in Spanish is arena. Oh, I did not know that. That's fascinating. Because an arena is filled with sand. Correct. Boom. Yes, just a little knowledge for everyone there. Dropping the knowledge. So the first verse is he's crossed the track, he's crossed the finish line, he's taking his victory lap. Then we get into that that continuous that basically the chorus of the song, yeah. isn't it grand to be playing to the stand dead or alive? What do we What do we make of that? The dead or alive part. I know. I I was going to say that I think that this verse is the most clearly related to the journey of Ray because he's he's made it. You know, he's come back into doing what he loves. He's having this resurgence of fame. And so he's taking his victory lap in a way. He's he's playing to this to the stand. He's playing to the he's in relationship with the public. Mm-hmm. Dead or alive. Because right, think... how do you. How do you do anything when you're dead? How do you play to the stand when you're dead? Is that is that a well, reference to a legacy? I think that it does have something to do uh, what I am taking from it in the in relating it directly to Ray is it's better to do what you love 
Even if you die trying. Even if it kills you? Yeah. Hmm. Like, be true to yourself, and then dead or alive, you, you've won. In your final moments, you at least did what you, you enjoyed doing. Right. <sighs> okay. All right. I got you there. I also think that maybe there is the implication... I think I'm probably reading too much into this, but I think that perhaps there's the implication that at any moment you could be either alive or dead. Okay, yeah, right, right. I think we saw a, a little bit of a reference to that earlier on. So so spend your time doing what you want to do. Right. Play yeah. to the stand, as it were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, Nick, do you think that there's any implication of the flag being checkered? Is there a little wordplay in terms of a the other definition of checkered as in a checkered Ooh, past yeah yeah meaning meaning slightly slightly shady slightly that life isn't clean in a way yeah right right it's not the the red flag of victory it's not the white flag of surrender it's the mixed flag that yeah. says you did the thing how you did it the flag isn't there to judge it's that you did it yeah it's irrelevant you still earned the flag right that's interesting i like that too yeah so then with the second verse, it starts to get, I think, deeper and more probably difficult to analyze <laughs> on a on a word-for-word -word basis. But the sunlight streaks through the curtain cracks, touches the old man where he sleeps. The nurse brings up a cup of tea, two biscuits, and the morning paper mystery. The hard roads end. The white godsend is nearer every day. In dying, the old man says... Isn't it grand? The sunlight streaks through the curtain bricks, touches the old man where he sleeps. The nurse brings a cup of tea, two biscuits, and the morning paper mystery. We're getting less allegorical here. This feels like this is this is a, a glimpse into Ray's future. This is his his Christmas Carol moment hmm. where he's he gets a glimpse of what life will be like. And it, it it gives you that idea of kind of this is why you came back from the dead question mark. Like is is this really what you came back for? Would it have been more valuable to you as a person, to you as as a legacy to have died doing what you enjoyed doing? Because right. because laying in bed with a nurse bringing you two biscuits and a cup of tea, that's that's not necessarily living that rock and roll legacy. But I don't see this verse as being a negative commentary on the image. I no. you know, especially because it says the sunlight streaks. You know, it's not it's not saying the old man lays there in darkness. It's, you know, true, even though he's old and maybe the most exciting thing that happens is that he gets brought the morning paper. Mm -hmm. He's still being touched by the sunlight and therefore he is alive. Uh, OK. And isn't that itself grand? OK. OK. So you Yeah, you you took a much more positive tack there. I expected I expected this to be the dead portion of the dead or alive as opposed to the, the that first verse, which is the, the alive portion of the dead or alive, you know? And, and I'm wondering if, you know, I'm wondering if there might be that it's not so much like, you know, here's this part and here's it's not like a black and white cookie, a half moon cookie. Those are things we eat in America where half the cookie is black and half the cookie is white. They are delicious. But. I wonder if it's more saying, you know, the, 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 the state of, of knowing that at any moment you could die, then you should savor everything that is in front of you. It's almost, it almost makes me think of, of grace. 
Hello, bird. Hello, sun. Mm. Hello, breakfast. Can I buy you again tomorrow? May I buy you again tomorrow? That's the old man saying, oh, here are my biscuits and tea. I am still alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still get the, the opportunity to have biscuits and tea. Right. Okay. But then in the third verse, it becomes even more difficult. This is where Alanis Morissette comes into play here. Yeah. I was wondering when that would happen. Oh, yes. Here yeah. we are. The irony. The stillborn child can't feel the rain as the checkered flag falls once again. The stillborn child can't feel the rain as the checkered flag falls once again. That almost makes me feel like the checkered flag is like the Grim Reaper's scythe. It takes another life because the child was born dead and so can't even feel the pain of, of the world around it. Oh. And so, boof, there's the checkered flag one more time. The race, that was a short race. Yeah, I see, I took that as the stillborn child will, like, someone's going to win regardless. This this child doesn't even get a chance. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or is it is it that... Each life is its own race, and we all win in the end. Just by dying. Just by dying. It's like, oh, oh. you did it. You did a life. Great. Y- Good job. If, you know, if your life was one second long. Yeah, you still passed that finish line. That was your journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the deaf composer completes his final score. He'll never hear the sweet encore. The deaf composer that reminds me of a, an anecdote I heard about Beethoven. Yes. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, was that it? No, no. The anecdote is that, you know, as, as is commonly known, he was going deaf in his later life, but he was yes. still composing. Mm-hmm. And because he had such a familiarity with the with the piano, he could imagine the notes in his head, even though he couldn't hear them. Yeah. And he would still conduct, even though, oh, you know, maybe that's not a great idea. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, he composed one of his big last symphonies. And so he and he presented it at some huge concert hall. Mm. And it was a, it was a big deal. And he conducted it, facing the orchestra, of course, and he didn't know, he was nervous about how it would go over. And mm-hmm. so he conducted he conducted it and, you know, full of passion and got to the final note and cut it off. And the theater, you know, the auditorium was was silent. And he and he thought, oh, they, they hated it. The audience didn't like it at all. Uh-huh. And, fu- and finally, one of the violinists was like, Beethoven, turn around. <laughs> and he turned around and the and the audience was just like in a full standing ovation and he just couldn't he just couldn't hear it. And it was yeah. that moment of like and I think he oh, you know, they wow. say that he broke down crying in that moment because he realized yeah. A, how profound his deafness really was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and B, how much his work was was actually appreciated. That is that is ironic. Isn't it ironic? That's, that's beautiful and tragic. Just a bit. Could be apocryphal, who knows, but it's a good story. You yeah. know, I think my favorite stories are apocryphal. They are the best, aren't they? They, they really are. <laughs> None of those pesky facts get in the way of my enjoyment of them. <laughs> yeah, the checkered flag, the bull's red rag, the lemming-hearted hordes running ever faster to the shore singing, isn't it grand to be playing to the stand, dead or alive? The checkered flag, the bulls are at the rack, the lemming-hearted horns running ever faster to the shore, singing, isn't it grand to be playing to the stand, dead or alive, 
make of those last lines, Nick? We are moving ever onward to our end. Some more destructive and more suicidal and and ending sooner than later than others. Mm. But we're eventually all getting there, running to the shore, running, running to the that it's that that apocryphal story of of lemmings running off of cliffs, which is just not true. Right. The idea being that if if one lemming does it by accident, all the others are like, well, I guess that's what we're doing now. We should all do it. Yeah. And then also the checkered flag, the bull's red rag. That's yeah. like for some people seeing the checkered flag at the end could infuriate them. It's like a it's it's egging them on. Yeah. Uh, so then the the question is 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 the checkered flag literally death or is it the goal of the end our ultimate goal? But is it not the same thing given that right. that maybe the race is the the aspect of 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 reaching your end whatever that may be? I don't know that I know what this song is about Nick, but I do it does make me think wow, what is my goal for the very you know, when I'm when I'm an old man sitting with my biscuits and tea, what do I want to be looking back on? What is your checkered flag? Yeah. What is my checkered flag? Yeah. I th- see. I thought I knew what this song was about. Playing in and, the sands. And then you and I started talking about it. That often happens. <laughs> yeah. Our perspective on the songs almost always shifts, not necessarily always in the direction of more clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I want to go to something musical. You kind of pointed it out with Gladiator Soul. Uh-huh. But that is a musical motif that gets echoed by the strings. Yeah. At various points. And it's just real pretty. It is. It is r- real pretty. Once again. You know, this song also reminds me of, do you know the, the Clancy Brothers? Uh, sounds vaguely familiar. They were an Irish group. I think they mostly played in the United States, maybe, actually. But they have a song called Isn't It Grand Boys to be Bloody Well Dead. Ah. Have you heard that one? No. Look at the coffin with golden handles. Isn't it grand, boys, to be bloody well dead? Let's not have a sniffle. Let's have a bloody good cry. And always remember the longer you live, the sooner you bloody well die. Look at the coffin with golden handles. Isn't it grand, boys, to be bloody well dead? Let's not have a sniffle. Let's have a bloody good cry. And always remember the longer you live. The sooner you'll bloody well die. That, yeah. I wonder if that was an inspiration, you know? I don't know if that exact song is, but I feel like the sentiment is a little bit. It's it's like, it's that weird kind of Celtic, half morbid, half hopeful. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen eventually, so you might as well uh, might as well accept and embrace it. Well, accept, not even necessarily embrace. I think you're onto it right there. I think that's, I think that you may have just unlocked it it's like you're gonna finish the race eventually yeah so you may finish it with an appreciation for what it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and do your best to do it under your terms not death exactly but but life yeah there is a lot out of your control so what is in your control take advantage of it grab it and that which is out of your control appreciate the beauty of it, whether it's the sunlight streaking through the curtains or, you know, the fact that you get to compose, you know, that you've been given the time to compose one more thing. Or be a non-washed up greaser rock star. A partially, a partially washed up, partially, partially Partially, washed rock star. Partially greasy rock star. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best that we got. I am going to wave the checkered flag on this discussion of this song, Nick. Yeah, I would love to hear everyone else's 
theories on this, but I I don't think we can get any more. It is it is pretty. It's I didn't think it was opaque, but it, it feels pretty opaque. I, I I think there are too many too many potential divergent paths. I, th- you know, Nick. Sometimes we categorize songs for our own kind of benefit, and I would put this into the mysteries of life category, the mysteries of existence category. Yeah, that works. That works. I'm good with that. Yeah, it is truly one of the most beautifully composed songs oh from Tull up to date. It is beautiful in its in its grandeur. Later on, some of the really beautiful stuff is because it's so simple and beautiful, but this is so big and sweeping and grand, and I think that's one of the reasons I like this one. I want to pour this song into the bath and get into it. Climb right in with a glass of white Zinfandel and a, a teakwood-scented candle. Yeah. Wow. This is the end of Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die proper. Yeah. What have you learned about or from this album, Omen? Oof. I would say that I disagree with what Rolling Stone had to say, which is that Ian Anderson is not a good storyteller. Yep. I would say that perhaps musical theater is not the best format for his storytelling. Yes. Because I think that the storytelling within the songs is incredible. Yeah. Especially as we'll start to see later on. But overall, as a, it's not a concept exactly, but it's difficult for me to imagine this album as a musical that really works on stage. And maybe maybe I'm just not thinking creatively enough, but I think that there are dramaturgically, if you will, some, some structural problems with it. I, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. But musically, this is the best composition that we've seen from Ian and the band and yeah. Lee Palmer to date, mm-hmm. hands down. Flutes down. Flutes down. Everybody, flutes down. And so... <laughs> the test is over. Any new favorite songs? Any new appreciation? What? <laughs> any new favorite song to come out of, of really listening to this stuff in depth? Uh, any new appreciation that you didn't have before? I definitely have a new appreciation for Checkered Flag. I have not listened yep. to it so closely. Yeah, I am still really excited about what I believe is our next song. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Which is one of the bonus tracks, A Small Cigar. Yep. Yep, Small Cigars next week. It's literally one of my favorite Jethro songs ever. I know. I know you love this song so it's, much. I don't know why even, but we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear why you do. I, <laughs> I can't wait for you to figure out why you do and then tell me why. I'll be in touch with my therapist and I'll get back to you. <laughs> what wow. does a cigar m- remind you of? Um, a small cigar, you say? Is it, does it make you feel uh, acceptable? Do you want it in your mouth? Save it, save it for next week. Dr. Freud, please. <laughs> Dr. Freud, put your pants on. <laughs> Until next week, before your checkered flag falls, you can gain the first prize in our race by writing a positive review or a five-star rating for our podcast and telling your friends. Once you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, you can shake up a bottle of champagne and spray it all over yourself in victory. (laughs) That's right. Take a victory lap around the comment section of YouTube (laughs) and tell everyone to go check out Talk Tall to Me, the podcast for Tall Skulls. Until next week, I am the sun-dappled, liver-spotted old man, Nick McGill. I am the 1.4-liter turbocharged Italian engine, Omen Said. We are one cup of tea and one pair of biscuits away from death, feckless moans. And this is the symphony that we will never hear. Talk tall to me.
Ma- Margaret. M- Margaret. I, I'm here, Father. I'm here. What? What? The nurse told me that you didn't have long. What? M- Margaret. What is it? I feel my my time is 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 coming to a close. Oh, Father. And there there are some things that I, I, I need to confess before oh. I go. Oh, what is it, Father? Tell me. Tell me. Here, take my hand. Margaret. Yes. Do you remember your 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 dog Clancy? Of course, the one who died in that terrible fire. That's right. And do, do you remember it happened right around around Christmas, and we had such a good feast that year? Of course, it brought such good good feelings to me after the tragedy. That, that's right. Um. Well, girl, I have to tell you, you know what dog tastes like. Oh, oh, Clancy, Clancy, you're so delicious. Margaret, Margaret. Oh, what is it, Father? Oh, oh, I, I see the light. I see oh, no. the light. Father, Wait, stay with I, me, please. I'm, I'm coming to you, Bessie. I'm coming. Hang on. Margaret, Margaret, yes, I Father. have to tell you, you, you your, your mother, your mother, you, you are not her child. What? You, you're, you're not my child either. We found you in a, in a garbage can. Oh, that's, that's why I love garbage Smell of garbage. Oh, God. Ma- Margaret. Oh, Father. Bessie. Bessie, I can feel you. I can Who? feel your taste. Ma- Who's Margaret. Bessie? Why are Ma- you talking about her? Margaret, one, one final thing before I go. Please, please tell me. Uh, Where's ne- the gold buried? I, I never left a review for, for Talk Told to Me, which, of course you know, is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio ne- Life was wasted!